And we're live. This is Alethea Thompson. Welcome to Force Realist Radio. Today's episode is on emotions running high. We have one listener so far, and that's Jez. Thank you for coming on. I know that your uh, your mic's busted, but if you want to type something in the chat down here, I'll be sure to get it on. So, just yesterday we had a shooting at an elementary school. One of the worst ones in U.S. history, uh, if not the worst. And a lot of people have been sitting back wondering why, why, why. Well, so far they don't know what the motive was. Uh, there's a lot of speculation on things. Supposedly his, uh, the assailant's brother said that he was mentally handicapped or mentally challenged of some sort, but at the end of the day, whether he was or not doesn't really matter in the long run. Honestly, to me, I think that society hasn't learned enough about how to deal with people that uh, that have crisis situations that they're in. At Force Academy and Real Jedi Enclave, uh, couple of months back, we decided that we were going to implement a very, very basic line first uh, psychological first aid course to help people. Well, what? Yes, my husband will kind of be on the line in and out, so what, what are you looking at me for? So, you're blaming society rather than the guy who shot freaking 18 kindergartners. I don't but care. if a trained psychologist there had known better, or it's an elementary school, trained psychologist. If he was liter- if he was seriously as mentally challenged as, that, as his brother's leading everybody to think he was, mentally challenged is not the same thing as mentally deficit. But it's about the same. But to most people, that that's considered that uh, the guy's about on par with people that are no. lower age than him. Society can't handle my absurd love of, milk, of royal milk tea. But I don't know if I'm going to go shoot up a school. You don't blame, blame society's not wrong with that. Well, you wouldn't they're shoot not, up the school, though. You would go to Coca-Cola, since they're the ones of the milk tea that you like, and they only sell it in Japan. All right, so why do you shoot up a school? I can't figure out any kind of reason that would justify that. And you're trying to justify it. Who's to say it's not both of our faults? How would it even be remotely my fault? I'm talking about society (laughs) and him, not necessarily you. You never knew the guy. Eh, I don't think so. I think it's just him. I think he snapped. I don't even think it was an anger issue. You don't get angry and shoot elementary kids. They didn't do anything to you. Unless you got jumped by 60 of them. Or they were (laughs) bullying his kid. Okay. You don't shoot a class for them. Probably will catch do it. You punch him in the face. He's mentally challenged. He doesn't know how to. But how do you get a gun? Them. That's the real question, isn't it? So what? We're gonna turn this into a gun law thing? No, but I think that if you're not, if you're mentally challenged, you're not fit to look at after yourself or something. Then you shouldn't be allowed to have a gun. Who said it was his gun? He might have pulled it out of somebody's household, which is actually something that I've been reading about recently. Where uh, I took a calm course and. In- 
don't ask me what COM stands for. I'll look it up. Uh, there's only one person, but his mic is dead, unfortunately. Oh man. <laughs> it's cool because his name is Auditore. Auditore. Not Al. <laughs> so, I was recently took a class, uh, it's an online course called CALM, and it stands for something, something lethal means. Cal Maine Foods Incorporated. <laughs> no. Wow. It's an accurate statement. It does mean that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not necessarily. Not in what I'm trying it's to stop. Suicide about. Prevention Resource Center. Well, yeah, the SPRC.org. How about school shooting prevention? Center? <laughs> How about Nut Bar and a Movie Theater Resource Prevention Center? Well, you know, we did have a lot of other things that have happened, which is also considered seasonal. So, can I blame it on the seasons? No. Why you, not? You can't, because the school, the movie theater shooting didn't happen during the seasons. But the school shooting did. This one did. A lot of things have happened recently. The there's, football there's player. A, there's a history of a lot of school shootings in America. Ever since freaking Columbine, everybody and their mother decided, you know what, it'd be great to go shoot a bunch of classmates. This is the first instance where someone from the outside coming in. But no, they happen at different times throughout the year. The only time you don't see them a lot during the middle of the summer is because there's not a lot of schools going around that have you know class in the middle of the summer. So what you think that uh, that would make a difference if we had it mostly during the summer? No, not even remotely. I'm saying that's that's why you don't see a lot of them at other times of the year. You see a lot of them between the months of September and December because that's the beginning first half of the entire school year. So why not when they're all antsy during the second half of the year? Everyone is too, is too close to the summer. I don't know. You probably There probably are several. I don't know what touch time of the year column might happen, but I think it was the springtime, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember. <laughs> My point is, this is not holiday-related. If it were holiday-related, then nobody in their life right now would wait until after Christmas to do it. Because what? Because you don't get Christmas dinner or a lot of presents if you're in prison or shot to death. Well, fair enough. Okay, so CALM stands for Counseling on Access to Lethal Means. So what I learned over this last week, because I took so the course. Calming on Access to Lethal Means. Counseling. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Whatever. CALM. Yes, Stop, think, observe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it was basically in the program. It talked about how people, kids, and whatnot alike can easily have access to guns, regardless of the fact that say you lock it up. You can lock up all the guns in the house, and your kid, or you can hide all your guns in the house, but your kids are going to find out where they are easily. So in order to you know prevent suicide, especially if you have somebody that's at risk of suicide. It's best to get rid of the guns in the house. The people hiding the guns apparently are not cops. <laughs> I don't know. I knew where all my parents' hiding places were. 
And my father used to run security. There's this fine line between having something that's you know hard to find or having something that's easily available. You just kind of have to pick which one you want. Since guns are typically used for home defense, people want them easily available, which makes them easy to find. There are ways of doing both, but most people don't think about them, which is why they're hard to find. Such as? Such as the door. If you open the door, there's a nice little, you know, two-inch to three-inch section of wall that's exposed to get easily cut into and make into a pocket that can hold a firearm, and no one thinks to look back there. But if it's for home defense, why do you can open up the door if you're waiting on I the door? Really? Because you think it has to be this one specific door that goes to outside? No, it could be any door in the house. It could be the bedroom door. On your way down the stairs, and you're going to go check out what it is, you open the door, you open a little slot that you made into the side of the way before you gun out. No one thinks to look there, thus it's hard, thus it's secure. But that's no word of thank you, it would not be secure. Let's say you have to make a choice. Do you want it easy to access, or do you want it hard to find? Okay, so hypothetically speaking, we get to a point where you and I are away from the house, and Makai has to be the one to take over, but he's... He's in a stage of life where most people, because the risk is, uh, if I remember properly, it's 14 to 34 years old, mm-hmm. are, the risk, are the people who are most at risk for suicide. Uh-huh. Well, Makai's home, and he needs access to a gun in the event that uh, somebody tries to break in and do something. How old is he? Well, considering that he's going to be home alone... And Tennessee state law says that you, you can't leave them home alone until eight years old. And even at that, for maybe only an hour at a time, maybe two hours. So then really you can't viably leave them at home until about 13 years old for long extended periods of time. And only for about five to six hours of that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go with about 13. 13 okay. Plus. Why does he want to go? No, we need to, in order in order for him to be protected, he needs a gun in order to protect himself. So, no, hypothetically speaking... You can't give me that. You could have hypothetically given me an enemy. Okay, this neighborhood is constantly patrolled by uh, police officers all uh-huh. the time, which means that it's an at-risk location for something to happen. Now, granted, you and I, were in the, we're in the back of the... the uh-huh. I'm trying to figure out what you're asking here. I'm... Given I'm saying it's an at-risk location. Uh-huh. And I'm saying that given the different cops patrol so much and they have a very fast response time to the area, why not just give them a freaking cell phone? Why would I give them a gun at 13 unattended? That's freaking irresponsible. That's madness. If he's here in the middle of the night and he's 16 or 17 and I've been training him and he knows this shit because I'm a proactive parent, and I've taught him how to use a firearm responsibly, and someone's breaking into the fucking house while we're gone, okay, that's one thing. That's a completely different thing if he's 13 years old, he's barely old enough to be on his own, and he wants a gun for some unspecified threat that he refuses to tell me about. Now, we're not saying that we're going to give him the gun. I'm just saying, what about what about telling him where the gun is? No, so still gives him ready access to it. Well, he can know where it is, being able to have access to it. You can know something's in a safe and so on until it gets to the fucker. But if you put it in, say, the door wall... I'm not. I'm just giving this as an example. 
It's a hypothetical situation, okay? You said the kids will find it no matter where you put it, and I'm saying that that's not true. That I could hide my firearm in this house, and Mikhail would never know about it unless he watched us access it. So what are the chances of him not watching you access it? Pretty high, if I'm determined to keep it hidden from him. Well, somebody breaks in the, starts to break into the house, and you hear something outside. And I, I know this happens. You get your gun, and you prep at the door in the event something happens. Yeah, but I'm paranoid. <laughs> okay, but he easily sees that that's what you're doing, because I'm rushing him up the stairs to uh-huh. get him into a safe room. But at the same time, he watches you pick up the gun out of the... Out of the yeah, when he checks there later to see if it's there, guess what? It won't be there, because I find a different spot. <laughs> So basically you're saying that, people, that parents need to be flexible and aware of what's going on in their home. Yes, absolutely. I think parents need to be more careful where they put their fucking firearms. But that's not the issue. The issue is this guy's an adult. And he's not, apparently, if, if what is said is true, I don't know if it is or not, that this guy is mentally unstable, why the hell did the guy have access to a firearm? Who, who in their right mind let him know where their gun is? They may not have let him know on purpose. Like many of these kids that found it, and their parents didn't even know that they knew. You know that we're going completely off subject to the show, right? Not necessarily. It was, about, it was about emotions running high. Now we're talking about gun Which control. is prevention. <laughs> no, we're doing prevention for problems like this. You, uh, well, I have an answer, but it is not a popular one. Well, say it. This doesn't have to be a popular <laughs> Maple. Maple. <laughs> Wow, that's your answer. I told you. <laughs> I did warn you. That, wow. That's fucked up, right? Sorry, uh, there's our PG rating. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it slipped out. I didn't even think about it being in that bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that that is at the end of the day. You do need to be flexible about where you keep things and how you're running the whole system. The... The fact that you may or may not realize that your children know where things are is a detriment to the entire family. I like the lip ring. <laughs> you're, not even, you're not even typing at us. Come on, man. <laughs> it's okay. Join the conversation. It's okay. Back me up. <laughs> Back you up. Wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. So, the, we have that a lot of people don't recognize that there, there are problems within their own household security. Nathan's given a pretty good idea. Put out a piece in the wall where no one's going to look and put your weapon there. It's called a slip, by the way. A slip. Okay, fine. Slip. Like, burn notice teaches you a lot of things. <laughs> Did you get that from burn notice? I got the name from burn notice. Did you get the idea from Burnham? Hiding crap and unconventional places. Yes. I <laughs> hiding crap and unconventional I'm talking about, like, specifically in the... No, but that was included on the show. But he uses the hide a credit card or a passport or something. Like that. Oh. Well, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so, there you go, people. If you want if you want really good ideas, watch the Burn Notice, even though I, I'm fairly confident my husband would have come up with that stuff on his own. <laughs> or he did. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things. I like Burn Notice because of the fact that it teaches you a lot of things that are actually true. 
I teach this girl this crap, too, so you know, <laughs> take everything with a grain of salt. But. <laughs> so psychological first aid is something that, you know, our, uh, Real Jedi on Clayton Force Academy has started implementing into their programs. Um, neither one of us can certify you in it. It's just a very basic rundown course to help you understand people that are going through a crisis, which uh, when you go through a crisis, obviously that leads to... Um, suicidal thoughts and other problems that happen, like abuse in the home, shootings, etc. So we, uh, but like I said, we can't certify you in, in it. We're just giving a very basic rundown course, and hopefully if uh, our students want to, they'll go on to get a full certification from like uh, the American Association of Suicide Suicidology. Yeah, that word. Word. <laughs> Is that like a religion? No, no, no. It's like it'd be really hard to recruit new people. <laughs> Probably. Sorry, I'm hyper. This technology just woke up. So, so uh, Jazz mentions that it's hard to get guns in the UK. And that's uh, kind of a gimme. So, and he's right. It is hard to get guns, but being aware of what you have in situations doesn't just extend to guns. And this is this is something that I should also bring up. You also have to worry about overdosing. So you keep your medicine in places where people aren't going to easily access it. You also, uh, if you have knives that you don't. Need, well, okay, knives are really difficult. I mean, I don't see anybody locking up their knives, or their steak knives, just so they can prevent. Oh, my God, I had dozens of knives when I was young. <laughs> yeah, plus it's good for teaching. You well, know. then it's just more socially acceptable to have them. Yeah. It's just something they But most, of, most deaths happen with overdosing and firearms. But, well, not deaths, but most suicides having firearms and overdosing. So overdosing would be your next problem. And that... Guns are very hard to get. So it's very hard to get a gun in the UK. You know, I, I hate to be this guy, but I have to point out that there's a fundamental flaw with members of the UK talking about how great gun control is. I know it's a bit off subject, but he brought it up that it was hard to get a gun in the UK. Thus, I thought about it. There's a fundamental flaw in that argument. And it's not, I mean, because culturally, England and America are quite similar. So, you know, you can't bring up the idea like we do the justification about Japan. You know, they have a different mindset. They're, they work for the whole, uh, a lot easier than Americans would. But for Britain, or the UK, so it's a little different because you're an island nation. <laughs> And your single government is the one that's present in every single port. You have a single set of regulations for every port into said island. Whereas America, we have land connections to Mexico and Canada, and they, and Mexico's regulations on stuff coming into port are lax, to say the least. So it's a lot harder to control the influx of weapons. So if we were to make them hard to get in America, I mean, you could still get them. I mean, look how well... I mean, we made heroin illegal, but, you know, because, you know, heroin's no longer a problem at all, right? <laughs> I 
Yeah. <laughs> As I didn't say it's good. I wouldn't mind the pistol. Agreed. <laughs> but then you have people who are unstable like this cocksucker in elementary school. And it kind of, hmm, I don't know. Actually, people reacted quite often to the way I, I would have expected. I would have expected a huge outcry immediately for more for better gun control. But instead, I saw the opposite. The exact opposite. I saw people, there's news articles of people going out and record gun sales. Because of the incident. They can't take them on, on school property, though. Yeah, I know, which is why it makes no sense at all. Now, you know what, though? I do know a teacher who was present for uh, a school shooting, and she got it cleared by the school to let her have a firearm in her classroom. Because it was the only way she felt safe, and she felt that her students were safe. Now, she keeps the... She keeps the mag on her. They were probably desperate to keep teachers at that point because probably a lot of people quitting after that. Well, <laughs> this person was actually present at the location where it, where it happened. Oh, yeah, I know. But, but it's not usually acceptable. Um, I don't want to give a teacher a gun. I understand that a teacher is a teacher, but teachers are also they're under a lot of stress, and they can snap at any moment. Um, they do not get paid enough to deal with freaking high schoolers all the time. I will say this. <laughs> this particular teacher is, the old, is one of the very few that I would ever trust with a gun in her hand. Well, my <laughs> the other one being... I, I would trust um, giving it to teachers who have former military or law enforcement training. Yeah, I was going to say, the other one would have been my... But, have been like but typically, no. Other Although, I would totally give a teacher a taser. <laughs> and you don't see a lot of high schools with taser. Well, yeah. yeah. But emotions running high. I'm sorry if I totally shamed you for introing your show. <laughs> I know this. So let's talk about what what happens with uh, situations like this. People experience a crisis. I mean, obviously, that's the first the first part of all of this. And that's one of the things that we have a huge misconception on exactly what a crisis is. What a crisis is for me is not necessarily what a crisis is for my husband or what a crisis is for our friend Jez on the line. Or just let me give you an example. I taught D.A.R.E. for a, uh, for a year. But while I was going for the training in it, the teacher the educator that we had to come in and help us learn how to actually educate middle school and high and uh, elementary school students had brought up a subject that would have never crossed my mind. It was she had a student who was uh, in the middle school. You know, she just entered adolescent, uh, pre-adolescent area, going through puberty and. She's sitting there in the classroom, just kind of looking down, and she abruptly says in the middle of class, I can't do this anymore. I just, I just can't do this anymore. And she started crying, and she ran out of the, she ran out of the classroom and into the bathroom. Well, this teacher went, and she went to go console her and find out what had happened. You know, first thing that runs into mind is, Maybe she can't take something that's going on at school. Maybe she can't take something that's going on at home. She she didn't know, but she knew that she could, that she might be able to get her to go through uh, to the counselor's office if she could talk her into going. 
what she came to find out was the whole incident was over what color lipstick she was going to wear. I'm not kidding. It was lipstick. And for this little girl, this was a huge thing for her. She couldn't understand. She she didn't have any idea what she was going to do. She freaked out over it. And this is something that, you know, we all look at it and we're like, that's mediocre. Why does that really matter? Well, maybe even at that age we may have had something that we see, we thought was um, we thought it was a huge thing, but then later on we realized that it wasn't really that big at all. And sometimes we even, there are people that have thought, not, ne- not necessarily seriously thought about it, but they have at least thought about committing suicide because they were having a hard time in their life, but they got over it. And then, you know, you look at it now and... Uh, even though that was that may have been years ago, it may have been months ago, it may have been a week ago, and you look at it now and you're like, well, I got through it. Almost everyone is considered the thought of suicide. I would say everyone. Yeah. But I, but not necessarily seriously. Like they didn't have a plan. Uh, so. I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I did kind of hang out with different crowds. Yeah. So these, so these little crises, these crises that we experience are always going to be something that's different for different people. Um, to give you the definition, the rundown definition of what a critical incident is, it's anything that affects someone's normal ability to cope with a problem. So. You can't judge it off of what a normal person would look at for a situation. Everyone's different. Everyone's going to cope with things differently than the next person. When you sit there and you look at it and you say, oh, my life is really bad, but it wasn't bad enough that um, I was going to commit suicide, and you apply that to somebody else, and you say, hey, your life's not that bad, or I've, I've had it worse, and I got through it. Stuff like that is, it's not right. It's wrong, and you don't even, you can't even begin to comprehend what is going on with that person. So that's the first thing that we have to nix. We have to understand is that, no, we really don't understand what the person's going through. We might think we do, and psychologists might pretend like they do, or they know what what to do with the problem. But the reality is that they don't. We don't. Everything's going to be tailored to the individual, and people need to get that through their heads first and foremost. Once you start thinking that way, how you approach somebody is going to be a lot different. A lot more different. Yeah. Okay, so grammatically, it's a lot more different. (laughs) Now, different types of stressors that you're going to have... You have internal and external uh, stressors. These are things that just add up to things that are going to that uh, happen in your life. You can have good stress and you can have bad stress. But these stressors just, they push you in one direction or another depending on how you look at it. You know, if your external stressors, these are going to be social, career, environment, chemical, life events, daily routines. 
Your internal is physically, mentally, and spiritually. You uh, just kind of imagine in your head right now, and this this is kind of how I'm going to give it to you. If you look at the at the ocean and how the waves go and how the tides work, well, there are different there are different things that affect that. The wind affects the tides. The pull of the moon affects the tides. Things that are going on underneath that create things like tidal waves and uh, and tsunamis, which are essentially the same thing wherever depending on where you are. But um, these are all manifest. These are all uh, akin to your stressors. And as you can tell, with stressors, they create they uh, they create waves. And sometimes these waves are huge. Like if you look at Hawaii in on North Shore on Oahu, uh, you can see that the waves come in and they roll in. They can be really, really big during the winter, and they can be kind of small during the summer. So that that just kind of gives you an idea of uh, what you're looking at and how that how these things affect your life in a more abstract visual method. So there are four major types of stress that are negative, or at least we see as negative. You have stress as a physical, chemical, or emotional factor that causes bodily or mental tension and may be a factor in disease causation. Uh, that's from the Merriam-Webster.com dictionary as the... Uh, as the Charlie definition, there were like two others, but I picked the Charlie definition for this Why one. Why did you pick the Charlie definition? Because it was the most relevant one to what the whole thing was. Uh, Get over it. <laughs> uh, you have acute stress, which is the discomforting mental sensation of the mind and or body to an isolated critical event or anticipated undesirable change uh, that comes from www.relaxyourlifenow.com slash glossary. Your chronic stress, which is when one experiences conflict over an extended period of time with the effects becoming apparent as symptoms of declining mental and physical health. That's are you, from... Are you looking at nothing right now? No. That's also from relaxyourlife.com. And then from uh, Webster's, MerriamWebster.com, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder is a psychological reaction that occurs after experiencing a highly stressing event as wartime combat, physical violence, or a natural disaster outside of range of normal, or outside the range of normal human experience, and that is usually characterized by depression, anxiety, flashbacks, recurrent nightmares, and avoidance of reminders of the event. Basically, everything you see in a war or zombie movie. Or terrorists. I don't know if I recognize RelaxYourLife.com as an expert in the field of uh, counseling. It's a definition. <laughs> because I couldn't find the legitimate definition in the dism thing. The what? The... Diagnosis for 
symptoms manual. I think that's what DISM stands for. Going on definitions of what stress is, it would go anywhere near the subject of the show. It is the subject of the show. Well, your emotions are running high, Alec. <laughs> the, emo- the, the show is about prevention of this stuff. Prevention, prevention is merely... You have to... Understanding is one of the major parts of prevention. Did I say anything about understanding? Say Prevention is based off of fear. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to... That's an absolute... Don't get me started on how wrong that is. <laughs> I don't know. Your emotions are really high. I think it's because you have... What we're, going, what we're talking about last night is going to be a topic no, I thought I thought about doing that, but then somebody brought up that we should totally do it on prevention. See, you didn't tell me that. I just thought you were being off subject for the entirety of the show, which is why I was like, okay. <laughs> so you didn't tell me that the subject of the show would change. <laughs> well, damn. Now, well, now I feel cheapest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So we have a. Uh, just of prevention of just particularly suicidal thoughts and tendencies, or what? Well, in a way, I guess you could say that because it could lead, it could lead, doesn't necessarily lead to it. Uh huh. Lead to what? Suicidal thoughts, and yeah, I guess you could say that that's exactly what it is. So the prevention of suicide thoughts and tendency leads to thought of suicide attempts. I don't care what the what? actual no. subject is. Prevention of what? <laughs> prevention of problems that arise out of people having depression and whatnot. So problems that derive of problems. Such as school shootings. Listen, all right, check this out, right? School shooting is easy to be depressed and want to off myself. I'm not giving that guy any higher casualty count. It leaves me in anger, though. I want to go shoot him, though, folks. But, I, you know what? Most one, people that cause school shootings and the like are depressed and they have anxiety. You get a lot of community anger, which is fine. A lot of community anger and a mutual enemy that you want to kill, but you can't because he's already been shot by the police. But you have a unified enemy and communal anger towards that object. It's a nice unifier, and I would think that's a positive stressor. Except that it's causing people to go and look at gun laws and stuff, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about specifically this individual that decided he was going to shoot up the place. I'm, you know I'm doing this, right? Why? Because you're just rambling, reading off stuff you got off websites, and those glory. I'm getting to stuff like this. Well, there's so many colors. So, I mean, what are you doing? Where are you, where's Charles and Chaos? Where are, they're usually here. Sandy talks in occasionally. Where is everybody? Probably because I started the show an hour early. Come on, you guys are obsessed with Facebook. You check everything within every 30 minutes. It's just all that you posted this year or something, Charlie. Ah, ah. But even so, it's pretty much what time is it? It's almost time now. They shouldn't be put online at some point, right? Maybe. So, okay, so 
You don't have to fear being in a crisis because, as Nathan has pointed out, you can turn a crisis into a good thing. I can hit you for that last thing. So, you gotta, when you look at a situation, you have to look at it as something that you can learn from. Now, not everybody's gonna be able to do that. Uh, contrary to popular belief, the Chinese symbols for crisis are not danger and opportunity. But it's a pretty good uh, way of looking at it. <laughs> Wait, hold on. That's a terrible lesson. We're not, we've been watching a TV show that deals exactly with that specific line of thinking. And it's bad. Crisis equals opportunity. That's a terrible idea because it means everyone who's in a crisis, instead of banding together, to go out for themselves and they, to make things better for themselves. In the crisis. Or you could look at it as an opportunity to build cohesion within a group, which is exactly what happened with Robert Hawkins, which we're talking about Jericho, by the way. Robert Hawkins took <laughs> up in Jericho to make sure that the town was still there. No, he took up in Jericho to save his family and find out who it was in charge. It's not the same thing. But in his situation, it actually made sense that he would have to make sure that there was a cohesion built in the, in the town so that his family could survive. He just did that to avoid suspicion on himself for being a new guy. Makes himself and makes the town indebted to him, and there is like they throw him out. Fuck. Crisis sequence opportunity is exactly what you have people on the side of the road and do. Pushing you off the road and killing you for your supplies. <laughs> Well, that's how some people look at it. That's how some people look at it, but the town of Jericho looked at it differently, in a different light for an opportunity. They don't look at it after they see a crisis and they've only banded together for survival. Yeah, it's an opportunity to band together for survival. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Only because they're missing out on not having real electricity, which we've become reliant on. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're stretching this one. <laughs> That's a bit of a reach. <laughs> so, Don't let me get positive about the situation of the tank. <laughs> <laughs> so there are two types of crises uh, that you can have. Like, we went over the stress. You have a shock crisis, which is, you know, you're shooting in your death, and then exhaustion crisis which is where basically you're tapped out of all your quote-unquote as coined by uh, Sigmund Freud psychic energy. So, no, it's not meant to be like I can move objects psychic energy. It means your, your psychological energy. <laughs> what? What? Or your force power suddenly not being used. Your force power is not suddenly being used. And then you need your, your Padawan to do things for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're so, really on a speeder. <laughs> so then, okay. So, you know, you have PTSD. You also have secondary traumatic stress. This is uh, a term that you can get, or this term basically means uh, compassion fatigue. It's where, let's say that I'm helping you and eventually I lead to having 
complications with the story that you told me or something like that, that would be called secondary traumatic stress. That's what I would end up taking on. So we're looking at things. We understand that there are different types of stress and whatnot, and we get that they can they can elevate to different stages and become completely detrimental. So how do we deal with all this stuff? Well, that's kind of hard. The, the fact that most people aren't taught how to properly talk to each other uh, doesn't help either. So we're going to talk about my own uh, version of how to actively listen. It's basically all the same stuff, but I created my own little acronym because I wanted my own little acronym, and I saw it there. It's called DAT. Attention, don't interrupt, ask, paraphrase, and tune. So, attention is basically you're saying, you're saying focus, you're talking to the person that's in the middle of a crisis or, or something to that effect. You don't interrupt them while they're talking because, hey, think about it. Every time somebody interrupted you, how did you feel? You, you didn't like it, right? Well, don't do that to somebody that's in a problem right here and now because they're trying to get it off or they're trying to talk with you because they, they need support. You ask. Asking is if you're not sure about something, like my husband and I should have totally been active listening to each other because I would have understood that he didn't actually know that I had changed, altered the the point of this whole conversation. What was that? Uh, I have no idea why he just asked me who I am again, but whatever. So, <laughs> so you ask questions to clarify that you have something right. Uh, like, if I was talking to somebody and they said, uh, they said something to the effect of, I can't stand my husband because uh, I can't stand my husband. And that's all they said. You'll, you would have an open-end question. Like, so can you tell me more about why, why you're frustrated with your husband? Or, you know, it, or is that to say that, you're frustrated with him because there's something wrong and uh, going on, or yeah. mostly you want open-ended questions. Uh, you could also say, "Is there another way to consider this situation? Uh, do you mind if I tell you what I just heard, and then let me know if I got it right?" You know, these these are the kind of questions. Well, then you move into the paraphrase uh, paraphrase phase. Wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, this is kind of like asking, only instead, let's say that she's that the person I'm talking to is spouting off of the mouth, and she's like, "Well, I hate my husband because he smokes and he goes out and he drinks every night, and he uh, he um." I think he has a mistress on the side, you know, stuff like that. Then you would paraphrase by saying, so you're 
Are you, so is that to say that you're upset with your husband because he doesn't spend enough time with you? Or you could say because he's uh, because he's doing things that you don't like? Well, actually, it would be better just to say because your husband's not spending enough time with you in that particular situation. You're just basically shortening it down, trying to figure out if you understand what they're trying to say. Now, they could say yes, or they could say, well, it's not so much that as it is he's not spending enough time with uh, with our daughter who's about to leave and go to college or something. So, uh, or it could just be that, you know, the person's like, well, it's not so much that as he's not, um, he's not communicating with me about the problems that he's going through. So you, you basically try and get a better idea of what's going on in, in the person's mind. So you paraphrase it to make sure that you understand what's going on, and if you don't, they can clarify. Tuning. This is tuning into the person's emotions. You, you're watching for body language. You're watching to make sure that uh, if you if you if you tread on quote unquote thin ice, so to speak, then you know how they, then you know that the conversation needs to be treated more delicately or whatnot. This this is basically your empathy kicking in. Now all these different phases in the adapt system are going to go between different all the in the middle you could go from mostly you should always be paying attention and you should always be tuned in but between the don't interrupt the ask well okay you should not really be interrupting but you know if you have to ask a question and you find a place in there where they've kind of made a break and you don't and uh they, they have just they need to catch their breath so you can ask them a question. So mostly between the paraphrasing and the asking phase, you're going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the conversation's finally done. This could take a while. So when you go and you uh, you want to help a person and you're paying attention to them, this also means hey, you get rid of anything, you put it off to the side, uh, you don't um, take a pencil and twiddle it in your fingers, get rid of all those little habits. You are right here in the here and now listening to what they're doing, what they're talking about hopefully sitting down because if you're up and you're walking you're doing something else and you might not completely understand what they're saying so yeah if you're on the phone they can tell when you're not tuning in when you're not actually paying attention to what they have to say so you want to make sure that you're paying attention to everything that they're trying to tell you if you don't have time right here and now to talk with them, you set up a time to talk with them, or you find somebody, if they need it now, that will talk with them that they can trust. But most likely, you're the one that they trust because they came to you. They didn't go to anybody else. They came to you. But like I said, if, if you can't do it, and this is also a matter of if you're going through an emotional problem right at, the, at that moment, and you don't think that you're going to have uh, be able to overcome it to talk with the person, don't go in. Don't try to find somebody else that they can talk to. If you basically you're emotionally compromised, you don't need to be the person talking to that individual at this point in time. So during the empathy, uh, you can... A lot of people end up saying a lot of things that you shouldn't say. 
during these crises, during these phases. And I want to go over a few things. Uh, I think in another episode, Chaos and I talked about cookie cutter statements and how they're not good. And I know at the very least we covered it in a in a uh, in a forum post somewhere. But let me go over a few phrases that you really don't want to say. You don't want to tell somebody that everything's going to be okay. You don't want to say time heals all wounds. Things will get worse before they get better. You should get uh, you should get over this quickly. You shouldn't dwell on the past. You got to tell them what you think. You got to sue. You can make this problem go away if you try. I know how you feel. There's always a reason for what happens to us. You're better off than before. Things could be worse. You still have dot dot dot. Napalm solves every problem. Say that again? Napalm solves Oh, you and your napalm. <laughs> but the, those are things you don't want to say because they could make it worse. Let's say that you say things are going to get better and they don't get better. Well, at least not in a timely manner. The person's experiencing a point in time where they can't get a job. They, uh, they can't get a job. They're going crazy because something happened um, and they have no money now, X, Y, Z. If you say everything's going to be fine and it doesn't clear up and they end up on the street, well, you just kind of made things worse for them. If you say things will get worse before they get better, they already in their mind can't think of anything worse right now. So... Telling them that it will get worse is, uh, it doesn't give them hope. Even if you say with the qualifiers, they will, or they get better. It, it's like, well, now I don't see a way that I can ever get out of this because I'm stuck in this rut. And it takes time. Things that you can say. It's okay to cry. What happened? This seems like it's very hard for you. Is there anything I can do to help? Do you need anything? You have my condolences. I don't know what to say. Do you feel like talking about it? Would you like to like me to help you find someone to talk with? Do you feel like you're going to be okay? There are programs that can help you. If you'd like, I can get you some information. I know a therapist I can introduce you to. If you need to talk more, let me know. These are things that they they at least let the person know that you are you you care enough about them. To not just give them a phrase that says that's uh, going to make them that you think is going to make them feel better, so that you can pretty much get rid of them. Because that's how it looks like to a lot of people. Is it just looks like you're just trying to pass it off, pass off the bill, and get rid of them. Not a good thing to do. So, the general rule on how you should uh, go about this, I don't even remember where I got ad from. I think it was from uh, my my class of uh, crisis intervention peer support that they teach in the army, but it's things that you don't say. You don't say, you don't give the person solutions. Don't say calm down. Don't, don't even be like, think of all the people that could be a victim if you don't get back at XYZ, etc. Don't give them solutions. They need to come up with the solutions themselves and it needs to be a healthy solution. So uh, if it's illegal, you might want to steer them away from that and uh, 
if they're really adamant about it, well, if you're responsible, you you tell the police. Uh, avoidance. You don't want to avoid talking about the situation because that said, that tells the person that uh, you don't care and you you don't think that they should really dwell on something when it's their problem right now here. Disbarrage. Um, the person knows more about the situation than you do. Don't ever assume that you know more about the situation than someone else does. So, yeah, don't tell them that either. So, this is another thing. When you're looking, if you're looking to be an active helper with people in your area, it's helpful to know things like what your police phone number is. Uh, there's a difference between a police hotline for emergencies, 911, and, and in many places in the U.S., the non-emergency line is 311. So it's good to know what these different things are in the event, say, you don't know what the local, yeah, you're in, you're from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're in uh, New York City. Um, if you called 311, they could then you because you don't know where the 12-step programs are in your area, you could call 311 and ask them, hey, we're going to find 12-step programs. And actually, I don't know if 311 works in New York. Uh, I know it works in Baltimore, and I think in Chicago. But uh, because obviously, if you know where they are in your home state, you're not going to know where they are in another state, and you just haven't come across them. Uh, so you need to know the police line. You need to know the suicide hotline phone number. We have one that's international. Um, go research that one out yourself. Find, find that one. That way, hey, if this is more for you than it is really for me. Find three 12-step three programs in your area. Most typically, I would go with uh, your AA meetings, um, one that deals with anger management and, well, code is not a bad one either. Codependency is anonymous. So those, those are three that I would probably go with. But you can pick whatever three you want. Uh, know the number for the mobile crisis response unit if they have one in your area. I know Clarksville happens to. Uh, get the phone number for Department of Human Resources, Department of Child Services, a local therapist in the area. Um, closest hospital with an ER because some places don't necessarily have it all that close. Uh, the lo the nearest Red Cross location and three local free counseling services for people who can't pay for the help. So just to kind of go back through this, remember that everyone's situation is different. You can't tailor it all to you. You might not be able to recognize people that are off the bat um, having problems with their uh, with crisis and whatnot. So be aware. Try to watch for things when somebody's experiencing something that's completely out of the ordinary. I might do a uh, full suicide prevention course in a few weeks, I don't know yet. This is just basically your basic psychological first aid rundown. 
and this is what to do. This is things that will help you if you see that someone's emotions are running high. On that note, I think I've pretty much covered everything I can. For a more detailed course on this, if you happen to join Force Academy, I can give you a more detailed course, but just remember that it's not, I repeat, it is not a certified course. It's just enough to give you the very basics so that you can deal, you can help your friends get to the people that they really need. And I think my husband wants to take us out. Oh, my God, out with them! Everyone, if you didn't catch that, what he said was, Awaken the Night Within. Literally.